Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 153 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing well and hope today's podcast finds you doing well. So today's podcast conversation is with a private practitioner. Her name is Sharani Pathik and Sharani is a licensed clinical social worker in uh, the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley area. And she created a practice focused on relationships. And I know that a lot of you guys that are listening want to create a practice or have a practice that somehow centers on relationships. And Sharani has uh, built a successful one and successful meaning it's not perfect, of course, but it's continuing to grow. And she's here to share as much as she can about what she's learned along the way. So we're covering a number of different things, including the word, the phrasing that Sharani used on her website to and how she and this might be kind of a a sound a little bit strange, but I feel like for many of us, we have a lot of therapist jargon, right? So how Sharani was able to take a step back and write to her ideal clients without using therapy jargon. And then we're going to go into some of the lessons that she's learned in building this practice, some of the challenges that she's had in building this practice. And we wrap up with a couple of different things. One is Sharani just talking about her mission statement and and what motivated her to create a mission statement and write it even on her website. And then we talk about Sharani actually has an email newsletter and we talk a little bit about what motivated her to create that and how she's using that as a way, as sort of a deeper purpose for her life and for her career beyond just a private practice. Shirani's website is over at centerforsoulfulrelationships.com and show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 153, just in case you want to follow along. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and... I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. 
And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. Uh, we'll get right to today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Sharani Pathak from Center for Soulful Relationships.com. Hey, Sharani, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm so glad that we've finally been able to connect. I feel like I think I've looked at some like previous correspondence and we've been chatting, I, I feel like, for a couple of years now. So it definitely has been. Uh, it's I've known you and followed your work for uh, maybe three years or so now, um, maybe four. I can't remember. And it's been a gift. So it's a joy to be here. Thanks. No, no problem. Yeah, I guess it's three years. It's, gosh, has it been three years? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for our conversation because, well, you created a practice that focuses on relationships. And you're just doing some really awesome things. And I can't wait to kind of pick your brain and walk through all of this. So the first thing I kind of wanted to start with is I was, you know, trying to decide like where I wanted to start. And I noticed on your website, one of the first phrases like on your homepage is helping you thrive in your relationships. I'm always fascinated by why folks choose certain words, what the intent is. What made you select that phrase? You know, Melvin, it's actually a phrase that literally came to me one day because I've been in my private practice three years or four years now, actually. I opened up shop four years ago Mm. and it's been this constant evolution of who am I and what am I doing and who are the clients I serve? And it's been a struggle actually to talk about exactly who I serve and how I do it and what I do. Like I get so caught up in therapist jargon speak that Mm. most people look at me like, okay, and and what do you do? And I still couldn't explain it. And so I toyed with phrases like, you know, soulful relationships. And that's where Center for Soulful Relationships came from. And then it was like helping you have soulful relationships. And it didn't feel, I mean, it was good. And it just didn't feel like it had the energy of, of who I was working with. And then finally, one day I just sat down and it, boom, it literally just came to me helping people thrive in relationships. And mm-hmm when I put it up there, it felt so right. It was finally like the part of me was jumping like, yes, 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 that is it. Right. There was a, I don't know, it's like almost like intuitively, your intuition felt it, right? When it was like, oh my gosh, this is the one, this is the phrase. Yes. And I'd even toyed with other versions of it. Like, you know, the cliche from surviving to thriving, you know, things like that. And still like there was something that just wasn't quite right. And as I've done the journey and I've done the evolution, it was 
perfectly, boom, this is it. This is the word that needs to be up there. And it started, you know, and then when I started telling people about it, people were just so much more drawn in versus, oh, I'm a therapist and I help people in relationships. When people would say, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, I, I teach people how to thrive in relationships. Then all of a sudden people were excited and interested and wanted to hear more. So that's when I knew like I was on to something here. Yeah, that's so interesting. It almost like not like a big fan of this phrase, but like it's almost like an elevator pitch, right? Yes. What's interesting is about that phrase is the word that really just jumped out at me is the word thrive. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like every other word is, they're great words, but there's something about the word helping you thrive versus helping you improve. Like, you know, for me, it's like, there's like a sense of optimism, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it's a word that just feels really good because, you know, most people like, you know, when you think about anything marketing related, because I've done a lot of listening to a number of different things on marketing and how to talk to people and how to, you know, talk about what you do and how to get people interested. And it's always selling them on the feelings. And, you know, people don't necessarily feel like they want to improve. Like improvement isn't really a feeling. Improvement is more of a verb, right? Versus thriving. Like that's a verb and and a feeling, right? Like we want to thrive in what we do. We don't necessarily want to improve in what we do. Like, yeah, that's cool. Let's improve our relationships. No, we want to thrive in them. And that's the feeling that comes behind it. Yeah. I almost think of like what we're trying to do with the words we select is we're trying to connect our brain to our heart, you know, Um, or helping clients do that. It's like, I, I do think like words like thrive that it's almost like that bridge between the brain and the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just got chills when you said that, Melvin. Yes. It's that connection between the two. And yeah, the word thrive is that bridge. Right. (laughs) Um, Sharani, you said for a long time in developing this, you struggled. And one of the ways that you struggled was you really had a lot of therapist jargon speak, which I feel like you're talking, (laughs) talking to me there. And I feel like a lot of our colleagues struggle with this is that we go through grad school, maybe write a thesis or a dissertation, we do research, we do practicums, all of this stuff, and we're immersed in the field. And yet, in this very weird way, we start this private practice, and you, on one hand, you play the role of the clinician, and it really is so easy to still use language and, you know, all of those things that we're used to, but failing to realize that the public may not have any idea what we're talking about. Yes. How did you, like for you, like even just at a practical level, like how did you break out of that? I mean, is there like, this might be really nerdy sounding, but like, do you do like certain, like, do you do like a certain exercise where you'll write down something and then you kind of take a step back or do you have like, you know, you'll run it by people or how do you check yourself? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. You know, honestly, Melvin, and a part of me is like embarrassed to say this on selling the couch because I love, you know, that it's targeted for therapists. And what for me needed to happen is I needed to actually start listening to podcasts that were for entrepreneurs outside of the therapy business. Hmm. And that to me is how I started to think about, oh, this is how people who aren't therapists speak. And this is how... It's just, there was something different about it. And again, I love selling the couch. I'm honored to be here. I've listened to so many of the podcasts and I appreciate this. And 
for me, that next step really was exploring how do other entrepreneurs talk about what they do? How do people who aren't in the same pool as me speak about what they do? Because, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where you get a bunch of therapists together and we're all speaking the same jargon and we understand what we do, you know, like when I, and we'll talk a little bit more about my practice, I'm sure. And, you know, when I talk to the general population, I'm not telling them that most of my clientele is adult children of alcoholics or adult children of dysfunctional families or adult survivors of trauma and abuse. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm telling my general population when I'm speaking to my general population. However, when I find myself, you know, at a therapist networking event, I can say those things. You know, I can say, oh, I work with, yeah, I help people thrive in relationships. And it's often those who grew up in dysfunctional homes. It's those who are adult children of alcoholics and maybe don't know it. You know, those, and so it's just a very different set of vocabulary in terms of who I'm speaking to and what I say. It's like the whole audience thing. Yeah, no, there's such a good pearl of wisdom in there. And what I picked up in that is when all of us, we think about who our ideal clients are, one of the best things to do is actually figure out where they're hanging out and what sort of information they're consuming and how they're consuming it, right? Whether it's podcasts, blog posts, videos, whatever it is. And I think you did something which is really like, really smart, really, but subtle, which is you started picking up on nuanced language and phrasing. And then you started incorporating that into how you spoke on your website and the content that you created. Yes. And it was so, it was so subtle too. It's like, it's one of those things where it gradually happens and it happens so gradually that you don't even know it's happening. And then one day, boom, it all comes together. And that's really how it felt when I chose that word or when that word chose me and just boom, it just all came together and it just felt so right. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing, as you say that, I think one thing just to sort of clarify is this is a just very iterative process and there's something very authentic about it. It's not that we go in and, and figure out what you know content our ideal clients are consuming and then we almost become a chameleon, right? But it's more that we learn and we walk in their shoes and through that, we kind of mold ourselves or mold and, and grow and you know change content and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not, you know, most of our clients or most of my clients aren't sitting around thinking, wow, my alcoholic dad really messed me up, you know? And if they are thinking that, they're probably not my ideal client, actually, because I've found that there are some differences in between people who actually think like that and people who think that something else is their problem. And so, yeah, it's not like they're sitting there like, oh, I need help from my my alcoholic childhood. No, they're thinking, I have my life so put together. Why can I not figure out this thing called interpersonal relationships? I'm so successful in my career. I'm doing big things in the world. Why on earth am I struggling in my interpersonal relationships? Yeah. And that is a very, very subtle thing. That's amazing that you actually, did that just come out of through sessions or how did you even figure out there was that subtle nuance? You know, that's a really interesting question. I have no idea how it came to me. And, you know, maybe it is because I did work with those people at one time who were like very much in that space of this is what I'm seeking relief from. And like, 
I'm glad they sought out services and they weren't the clients that lit me up. Like they were not the ones that were really motivated to make change in my experience. You know, the ones that came to me, they weren't the ones that were super motivated to make change. They were more of the ones that were still sitting in the story and sitting in the wounding than they were looking for solutions. And I do my best work with people who are actually looking for solutions. People who are open to looking at their stuff and exploring it and diving in deep and sitting with the discomfort of what they discover and then saying, okay, cool. And now what? It's that space after. Yeah. That's cool. I wanted to shift a little bit. We started talking a little bit about this, but I feel like this idea of niching, this absolutely scares a lot of our colleagues. How did you decide to create a niche based just on relationships? It's actually a funny story. When I first started my practice, I was only going to work with single. Actually, I was going to work with all ages and stages because I came from the nonprofit background. I am an LCSW by training. And so, yeah, all ages and stages, as long as they're older than 10, because I don't like anything younger than 10. And I slowly learned like that just didn't, it didn't light me up. It didn't jazz me up. And then it shifted to, you know what, working with single women who struggle in romantic relationships. I was like, that's a good niche. And then the women that I attracted and the women who I really loved working with actually were primarily women who were already in relationships and their relationships were on the brink, whether it be because of their own baggage or they were having a hard time, their partners were triggering their stuff, you know, they, and a lot of them actually would call for couples counseling. And I'm not a couples therapist. That's, you know, I can't sit in the room for 45, 60, 75 minutes with a couple. Now I can do a deep dive with them when we take a whole day to sit together with it as an intensive. I love doing that. But the weekly sitting with a couple that didn't work for me. And what I heard in these women's stories over and over on that initial consultation call, you know, using that gift of intuition and our, you know, as therapists, our fine tuned ability to listen and hear, what I heard was they were having difficulties in their relationships because they didn't feel good about themselves. And so that's where when these women came in and I would invite them, I would say, I can refer you to couples therapists or I can work with you individually and you get that choice. And sometimes they would right away say, okay, I want to you know, referral out. And sometimes they would say, no, there's something about you and we want to work with you. And then sometimes they would say, yeah, give us a couple's referral. And then five minutes later, call back and say, you know what? No, no, we actually want to work with you directly. Like there's just something to you that makes us want to work with you. And so that's how it evolved. And when I sat with these women who were already in relationships and we started to dive really deep into the work together, it always came down to their relationship with themselves. And that's the work that I've been doing. So it's marketed as I can help you thrive in your relationships and I can do that. And the primary relationship we're looking at is the relationship with themselves. I'm just going to be like completely open and honest. And so what I noticed for myself is I don't mind working with couples, but I'm kind of in a similar similar sort of way that you operate, which is my preference is I feel like I just do better work with individuals. Was that like a struggle for you? Like knowing that, I don't know even how to ask this, but 
knowing that you're working with the individual, but knowing that they were part of this couple's unit and having the struggle of like, maybe I should be seeing them as a couple or, you know? Yeah, actually, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, you know, through my own personal experience and through my professional experience and, you know, all the personal and professional development that I do, I learned that, and I am one of those people that I work only with my most ideal clients. And guess what? My most ideal client is me with more money. (laughs) And so I have, it's like they'll share with me and I already have a picture of who their partner is and how their wounds operate and work hand in hand, how his stuff triggers her stuff and how her stuff triggers his stuff. And so I don't even need that other person in the room. And every woman that I've ever worked with can will tell me, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. Or she'll apply what we talked about, or she'll take that new perspective into her personal relationship. And then she'll come back and say, wow, that really was so helpful. That perspective or that shift. And, and so I haven't found it to be something that's like, oh, and in fact, I actually have the opposite experience when I've had couples come work with me. I'm like, oh, I just want to separate the two of you and work with each of you individually. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I want to do my couples work because again, I can see the wounding and that's why I love doing the deep dives and the intensives because we actually have time to sit there in the space of, okay, now let's take apart some of these wounds and unblend it from one another so we can see how each of you operates and pings each other's stuff. Hmm. That's a cool way of looking at it. Just shifting a little bit, what's been the most challenging part of creating this niche focused on relationships? You know, it's interesting because every time I would tell people that, oh, I work with women who struggle in relationships, everyone's like, oh, I bet you have the most thriving and successful business. Like, I bet business is really good. And for me, that wasn't really my reality for the longest time because I was still struggling to figure out how it is that I speak to this. How do I talk to my ideal client? How do I get people to understand? So for me, the biggest struggle in this has been learning how to speak like my ideal client speaks or learning how to speak to her directly in ways that wasn't therapist jargon, you know, because like I said, I do a lot of my own personal development as well and walk my own talk. And so, and I'm a therapist. So I have all this language that regular people don't have, you know, out in the rest of the real world. And so when I would say things, it was just very different in terms of how I would say it, because that's how I understand it from the therapist perspective and the personal development perspective versus how a client would say it. And so really that has been my biggest struggle in developing that niche. And it feels like that's very much shifting now. Now that I've finally figured out how to speak to this, feeling really good about the fact that this is the work that I do. I think a lot of it was also clearing some of my shame stories around, you know, who am I? Is some of that imposter stuff that I know we've had other podcast episodes on that I've heard some of, you know, like that posture and syndrome that comes up of who am I to be teaching this, doing this work, or I'm not even married or, you you know, I'm not married. How can I be helping married couples through this kind of stuff? And just all those stories and clearing all of that. And once I finally moved through like the clearing of that, it's like, boom, 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 all the clarity hits. That's where the word thrive came from. That's where a whole new set of offerings has come from. That's where a whole level of confidence in speaking about what it is that I do has come from. So it really has been that journey of doing my own inner work to get me here. It's amazing how, especially in our field and creating a practice, how much 
it is about creating a business, but how much of our own stuff we have to navigate while simultaneously building a business. <laughs> totally. Especially when you throw in the mix that, you know, I'm an LCSW and I always thought nonprofit was going to be my life, you know? And so, and it is a very big shift from that. And then, you know, cause all my experience was in the nonprofit sector and I come from an immigrant family, you know, two parents who worked two jobs to make ends meet, you know? And so it was really looking at my own stuff that's helped all the, like for me, it's helped everything fall into place. And it's like, oh, now that all that stuff is cleared, I can see clearly now. Was that shift and was that clearing, was that a gradual process or did you have these moments where you would just have spurts of clarity or was it, what did it look like? It looked like a combination of both where it was just, you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get some clarity or some idea. And then you're in it, you're in it, you're in it again, or I'm in it and in it and in it again. And then there was clarity and then I'm in it and in it again. And then there's clarity. And so it was all, and and it's actually exactly the work I do with my clients. It's like going for a deep sea dive and then you come up for air, you know, Mm -hmm. refill that oxygen tank and then you go back down. And so it's very much has been that process for me. And then there came a point, I think, when I got to the point of clearing some of those really core wounds that all of a sudden, boom, after that, it all the pieces finally came into alignment. And then it was really clear. And again, that's exactly the work I do with my clients when they've got their stuff and they're diving and then they have moments of clarity and then they're in and they're in and then they're up. And then at some point it all clicks into alignment. Now that doesn't mean there's days I don't struggle because I'm human and that's a part of the human experience. And I just don't live in that struggle anymore, which is true of all my clients. They still have their stuff that comes up in their relationships and they don't live there anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, like a great way of putting it that stuff still comes up, but they still move on instead of just letting it kind of sitting there the way that you just said it. Yeah. I wanted to shift a little bit to a little bit more kind of kind of techy stuff. But <laughs> I noticed that you have an email list and you have this opt-in on your website called the Soulful Relationships Blueprint. So just for you guys who are listening, an opt-in is basically like a, a free item that you know someone gives away when they sign up for an email list. Now I know that Sharani, I know that many of us are struggling with creating an email list and an opt-in and just questions and fears around it. For you, what made you create it? Yeah, for me, it was really stepping into and owning the fact that I'm here to make a bigger impact than just the clients I see on the couch. And because I'm not your traditional therapist in terms of sitting on the couch, seeing clients back to back all day, you know, three, four or five days a week, that doesn't work for me. And that's not what works for my life. And that's not what works for why I came here into this world. Like I really have a bigger message to share. And so my opt-in truly came from that place of sharing the message with a greater audience. And it's interesting because the people that are opting in from this, like on that newsletter, into the newsletter list, they're coming from all over the world, places like South Africa and the Netherlands and 
India and just all over the world. Like I'll be like, ooh, excited. I got an opt-in. And I'm like, wow, like that is the total other end of the world. And so are those going to be individual clients that I see on the couch? Probably not, unless they come in and, you know, book an intensive with me and fly out and do all that. However, they're most likely not going to be those individual one-to-one clients. These are probably going to be the clients that are hearing the message through the newsletter. So really for me and and what helped me separate it out, because there was like when I first did a newsletter opt-in, it was because I, I, you know, at that time, the messaging I heard from marketing gurus, quote unquote, marketing gurus was that, oh, the newsletter list will help you make, get clients and make sales and all that other stuff. And, and it, wasn't doing that. And so when I made the shift to, you know what, this is a way for me to be of service and it's a way for me to help get the message to people who may not, you know, otherwise get that message, then it really shifted. And then it was like, all of a sudden there's non-attachment to who's on my list and who's not on my list and who's reading and who's not reading. It was just a way to be of service to the greater reason and purpose that I'm here, which is to help people learn to live in love. And so that's what that was about, that newsletter opt-in. And so in my head, it is a service in and of itself. If it gets clients, awesome. That's like the cherry on top. And in the meantime, it's a service. And I do, I send out that newsletter one of the things was I was consistently inconsistent with it. That was the one consistent thing that I, I was doing was consistently inconsistent. That's what they could expect from me. And then about last August, so August of 2017, I made the decision, I'm going to give this thing a try of putting out a weekly newsletter. Hmm. And so I did. I started sharing weekly and every Friday at 12.15 Pacific time, it would go out. And you know, I didn't know what it was doing out there. And it wasn't until December where I um, interacted with some of the women on the list because we're in some other communities together. And they said, wow, I really enjoy reading your newsletter. Like it always brings me like some good insight or some information or something I hadn't thought about. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. That's exactly what I needed. I needed to hear that this thing that I've been doing every week has been making some impact. And so that really gave me the momentum I needed to keep going and keep putting the newsletters out. One of my most favorite quotes comes from Pat Flynn, who I I think both of us follow over uh, at Sparm Passive Income. And he says, income is a byproduct of service. And I just thought of that quote when you were mm. talking, you know, yeah. because you don't know, like, you're right, like maybe somebody in India is likely not going to be your client, but by the same token, you're serving them. And I don't know, one thing I've learned is like the world truly is getting flat. So you never know who they know. Yes. And so it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's made me realize thing a lot of things. Yeah. And then, you know, as some of the shame stories, right, after having been a social worker and then coming into having a for-profit business, right? I recently heard, I can't remember what his name was. And he said that, oh man, it was something along the lines of like the more income we have, the more impact we can have. And that was another big one for me. Like, yeah, I am here to make an impact. And so it is okay for me to have some good income to help me make that impact. Hmm. That's a great way of looking at it. I wanted to wrap up our conversation by reading your mission statement on your website, which 
again, for you guys that are listening, it's centerforsoulfulrelationships.com, centerforsoulfulrelationships.com. So it says our mission, the Center for Soulful Relationships is a healing center dedicated to helping high achievers and change makers, which I love that phrase, make an even greater impact in the world by healing the hurts that hold them back from their full potential. We do this through our skillful integration of healing practices that work. We believe even the highest achieving individuals are only achieving a fraction of what they are capable of. What holds them back are the hurts they have experienced throughout their lives. As a result of these hurts, most of us build walls to keep others out and keep ourselves safe. Well, we don't realize that these walls don't keep us safe. They keep us small, stuck, isolated, and alone. It's in taking down our walls that we achieve true intimacy, connection, satisfaction, and success in our relationships and our lives. The first time I read your mission statement, I was like, one, I was so impressed you put in so much into such like a short phrase, but I wanted to like read that because I just wanted to ask you, like, what motivated you to write these words? <laughs> I'm hearing you say this is the first time I've actually heard someone say it out loud back to me. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. And, you know, what inspired me, I think it was a part of that getting clarity. I wrote that mission statement while I was still in the process of trying to figure out who I do my best work with, like who we really serve here. And I think all I did was did a Google search for mission statements. And honestly, the reason I have a mission statement there is because I used a template in Squarespace that said, this is where your mission statement would go. <laughs> and I was like, a mission statement? Okay. So I did a quick Google search for mission statements and literally followed a template of, you know, and I've, I customized it, of course, to myself. And it was just, you know, and as the words came out and were put on the page, it was like, wow, this sounds really good. And again, hearing someone read it back to me for the first time, it's like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> so I, again, it was just a part of that process of, I think, fleshing out who I am and what I do and how I serve. That's awesome. I think the big thing that resonated for me was, that you were speaking to people who, as you said, like they have much of their lives together, but there's something, they notice that something is off in their mm -hmm. relationships, right? And I love like the imagery of, you know, building these walls and how these walls, so whenever we even hear that phrase, like, you know, building a wall, it's got almost sometimes a negative connotation, right? But you actually contrast it and say, well, this is actually meant to keep us safe, right? So there's sort of a normalizing, which I think is really cool, like a cool juxtaposition in a really nerdy way. But, <laughs> and then, but then you normalize it and you say like, this is what it, life could look like if that wall was not there, right? Mm. Very props to you. So, <laughs> Thank you. And props to whoever moves through me and writes these words, because it's definitely as soon as I get out of the way, I think these words are able to flow through me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great pearl of wisdom because I, I do think we sometimes we are our own worst critics. And, and I think sometimes in being critical of ourselves, we don't always let our intuition shine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Sharani, thank you so much for this conversation. Where can our colleagues learn about you and the awesome work you're doing in the world? Thank you so much for asking, Melvin. I've got a ton of irons in the fire right now and lots of different projects that I have my hands in, both for the general population and for clinicians. So listeners can learn more about me on my website, which really is the central hub, speaking about all of the different things that I have going on. And that website is Center for soulfulrelationships.com. Sharani, thank you again for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem. Have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank you. You too. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sharani, and uh, I hope that today's podcast session has you inspired, especially if you have a private practice or envision a private practice that really is focused on relationships. Uh, there was just lots of pearls of wisdom that Sharani said, and I wanted to just highlight two of them. One is this idea that that we often have to go to where our ideal clients hang out in order to get and understand the language that they're using. I don't know, for me, I think that was just such a, a good realization and something that's just been helpful for me. I was actually telling Sharani off uh, after we finished up the interview that the majority of podcasts that I actually listen to center around entrepreneurship and nerdy things like conversions and stuff like that, because those are the folks that I primarily serve in, in private practice. And so just something like that was helpful, I think, for me to hear. The second thing that I, I took away was that you know, I think many of us want to create these niches, but simultaneously we have this fear of wanting to get it perfect the first time. And Sharani's not the first person who said this on the podcast, but sometimes figuring out who we're meant to serve in the world, it's an iterative process. Uh, sometimes you figure it out and sometimes you don't. Like even for me on my private practice journey, I was initially thinking like, oh, I'll just kind of work with entrepreneurs. But I think as STC has grown and in this weird way, as I, you know, have taken more of a leadership role, I noticed that I'm very fascinated by leadership and what makes a good leader and all of those different things. And so I think a lot about that. And, and I think even for me and my own personal journey recently, it's been giving myself permission to see that and to integrate that into sort of who I work with. Shirani mentioned uh, lots of different tips and lots of great um, resources and things. So you can find all of that again on the show notes page at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 153. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like hard-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. 
You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.